The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield and Arlen Suderman is joining us today with FC Stone. Let's talk about this bearish reversal that took place in the soybeans today, Arlen. Yeah, not a good sign at all. And uh, you say, why do you care about what happens in the charts? Is because uh, just about every trader who's participating in a market pays attention to the charts. So to some extent, it becomes self-fulfilling unless something happens between now and tomorrow to change the sentiment. That could come in a change forecast or whatever. But basically, when you rally and you trade above the previous day's high and then trade fall and trade below the previous day's low, when you close below that low, that would be a bearish outside reversal on the charts. Yesterday's low was 1041 and a quarter for the May contract. We traded a dime below that. So we really blew out yesterday's low. And in fact, on the close, we took out the low for the move, which was set back on Monday of 1032. So we traded down to the lowest price that we had traded since uh, February 21st. That's a, a bearish indicator suggesting that we will likely see uh, follow-through selling tomorrow unless something happens between now and tomorrow's session to tra- change the dynamics of this market. The funds certainly do pay attention to these signals. Well, what are we doing for crush margins at this point? Are you, are you happy with where we've been at or are we in kind of a, a downward trend? On crush margins, we've seen some pretty good demand for meal. Uh, certainly, DDGs have been very competitive there, but we've seen some good export demand for meal. Some of that's related to the problems in Argentina, um, and some of it's just good, strong livestock demand from here in the States. But uh, particularly on the export front, we have started to see a little bit of that extra meal demand. I don't think it's going to be a game-changer. Uh, overall, especially not offsetting the loss of exports for soybeans. Uh, but, of course, USDA did raise their estimate on soybeans used for meal by 10 million bushels in the crop report last week, and, and I think we're seeing that reflected. Are you seeing, you talked about Argentina and, and the weather there, and I had a, and I have to bring this up because I had a great kid today ask me some questions about the dryness in Argentina as I spoke to a class, and he really wondered, you know, how much of this is going to be factored in when it comes to prices come our spring planting time, or is just the, the typical weather patterns that we usually have for Argentina, just that there seems to be more emphasis lately? No, not typical at all. I mean, this is a big deal. I've been talking to uh, our Argentine office uh, uh, earlier today and uh, just about how bad it is. And for for them down there, it's like the worst, depending on where you're at in Argentina, the worst drought in 30 years, the worst drought in 40 years, or even in some cases the worst drought in 70 years. So this is a big deal to them. Uh, their crops are being significantly hurt. They have had some occasional showers in some in many areas. They will have some soybeans. It, it's not the entire region, but about two-thirds of the crop belt have really been most impacted. And uh, that's where the real concern is at this point. Um, is, and if you look at uh, uh, really the last 30 days, it's been extremely dry. They had some heat a month ago, but 
kind of like the Midwest summer last year. They haven't had a lot of heat with this overall. So I don't want to diminish the seriousness of the drought, but I'm saying as bad as it is, it would have been much worse if they would have had a, a more intense heat like we oftentimes get in the plains. Um, but it is bad. They're again talking to Argentina office. They're thinking that we probably too soon to know on a soybean crop. We're probably, but they thought, you know, for now the 42 million metric tons that Buenos Aires Grain Exchange says, you know, is probably a good working number. Um, but uh, on over on the corn side, we're probably looking at 34 million metric tons, and that's lost exports for them, which means exports that we pick up. So in many ways, we can say the lack of heat. Maybe this part of the saving grace for this South American crop. Uh, very much so, very much so, and uh, so that's what we're paying attention to as the harvest begins now and we go forward. Um, when you look overall at the Argentine um, soybean belt, there over the last thirty days, I was just looking, and basically seventy-four percent of the soybean belt has. Oops. I put it in wrong. Um, I was just calculating while we talked and got the wrong date in there. I'll have to run it again. Um, as we look at it, 60% of the soybean belt received less than 25% of normal rainfall over the last. And keep in mind, this is the middle of their summer, so it's like our July. So if you go a whole month which with 60% of the Midwest getting less than 25% of normal moisture, that would be a big deal to our markets. Is there a chance, I know that some of the weather patterns says we might see some rains being brought into parts of Argentina, the double crop areas or Brazil. Hopefully it's not too little too late. Yeah, and this is where it's important to remember that this is a futures market. So it doesn't trade necessarily what happens today. It's anticipating what's going to happen in the future. What's happening today, that 60% that's received less than 25% of normal rainfall over the last 30 days, that's been priced into the market already. That's old news in the minds of the traders. So they want to know what's new. What's new is this weekend's forecast. And so while we're looking at showers now over the next five days covering 60% of the soybean belt with a half inch to two inches of rain with more showers beyond that next week, that's what the trade is focused on. They're figuring that the worst of the news has been factored into the market because 70 to 75 percent of the soybeans and of the corn is basically planted early enough to be impacted. The other 25 to 30 percent is late planted and just kind of going into now the reproductive phase, and it could still benefit from these rains. The bulk of the crop can't be. So they're saying that's already been factored in. And even though it's been factored in, our stocks are still going up. Look around, folks. We do have more. Final, final bell coming up. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us with FC Stone. We kind of hit a little bit on what was happening in, in the soybean side and, and a little bit on the corn. But I tell you, this wheat market, we've got some strength going on in there. What are you seeing as some of the, the highlights for this trade? Well, the real focus is the hard red winter wheat belt. And as we look at that area, particularly the southwestern plains, which is a heavy concentrated area of winter wheat, um, it's dry. And it's been dry now for a long time. And it's one of the driest, particularly if you go southwest Kansas down in Texas Panhandle, it's the, the, the last four months have been the driest on record. 
going back well over 100 years. And that dryness is, expands, you know, away from that area as well. It's just not record levels, but it's very significant. Uh, and the market's been factoring that in for some time now. We've had quite a rally in prices as a result. We have a big surplus carried over from last year's crop. If that were not the case, we'd see a lot higher prices than what we do now. We're also in a time when it's difficult to come up with new things to trade. And the saying in the market is you have to feed a bull every day, a bear you can feed once in a while. Well, that means in order to keep prices sustained going higher, you have to have fresh news um, showing the problems with the crop or the reduced production. And this time of year, that's difficult to do. It's easier than it was a month ago, but it'll be a lot easier a month from now than what it is today. Um, so during this month of March, we do get some weekly crop ratings uh, coming out of some of the key states that we're paying attention to. Um, but we really don't have news of, oh, the wheat's not heading very well or the heads are small or anything like that. That starts coming in April. So whenever we dip the market, we are finding buyers buying the dips, but it's still difficult to sustain the rallies right now at these price levels until we know a little bit more. And I think, Arlen, the, the reality of the severity of the drought in, in Can- or excuse me, Kansas and in Oklahoma came to fruition yesterday when the Kansas governor came out and said, we're going to nip this in the bud. We're dealing with a drought now before spring really even gets here. Yeah, absolutely, because it is significant. We certainly see it in the ponds and rivers and streams, uh, and uh, that's the way it's playing out right now. Um, and uh, we saw it when the highways got closed in western Kansas because of blowing dust here recently. Uh, so it is significant. does have a big impact. And uh, it now is the time as that wheat is breaking dormancy when its moisture needs go up. And we talk about jointing in the wheat. That's where the head is starts becoming formed on that joint that rises up out of the ground. And as, as that joint is coming up out of the ground, the maximum genetic size of that head is being determined. Once that's being determined, if we get rains later in the spring, we can add an extra spikelet in between on the row. We can maybe make the kernel a little bit plumper, but we can't make that head any bigger than that. Curiosity, as we jump over to the livestock side, from, from the southern part of our country here, is that going to have an effect on the cattle market because it's so dry? Well, we've already seen it play out on the cattle on feed reports. Uh, cattle on feed reports for the last four months, I believe it is, have had larger than expected placements in largely of, of smaller weight calves coming into the feedlots because they simply run out of pasture. Uh, and so they've been pushing them into the feedlots. That does increase feed usage, uh, which is good for the corn market uh, and good for the milo market. Um, but, it, but it also means that uh, we're pushing more cattle in at a, at a younger weight, have to feed them longer, et cetera. Uh, and, of course, that, that has implications then for when are the big supplies of cattle, and we're expecting big second-quarter supplies uh, partially because of when that started, et cetera. So it certainly has impacted those dynamics already. Some of the bids we've seen, 128 on the live, 204, 205 on the dress. Is that going to be the norm, you think, for this week, even though asking's a little bit higher? Well, certainly as we look at this market, we did see some strength today, um, and that was largely because of, of the uh, better-than-expected cash at mostly 127. They started at 126 yesterday and 127. It was early in the week, so some good demand. I'm anxious to see what the slaughter level is. But I mentioned those big second-quarter supplies, and, 
and the job of the market is to have strong basis, which means cash trading up well above the futures, uh, to try to pull forward those supplies from the second quarter, pull them forward here into late in the first quarter. And if they can do that like we did a year ago, we can kind of soften the blow of those big supplies in the second quarter. Um, that's what the market's trying to do. The board did go up today because that higher than expected cash, but it's still staying well below the cash, keeping those strong positive bases. The problem is we still haven't seen the big slaughter numbers that we need to see, and, and that's what we keep watching for. Well, lots of great strong advice, and of course we're going to be hitting before the end of the month the planning intentions report. So a lot of elements that are really going to be factored in over the next couple of weeks before we see planting in earnest here in the upper Midwest. Well, certainly so, and right now it's looking better for the Midwest. Uh, we've had rains in a lot of areas in northwestern areas, expecting more rains here in the weeks to come. Best way to reach you, Arlen? INTLFCstone.com. All right, that is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network being brought to you by Fontenelle and your local Fontenelle dealer. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. listening to the Rural Radio Network.